Welcome to the Teach Amazing Podcast. I'm Neil, and in this podcast we're going to introduce you to amazing schools from around the world. So if you're an educator looking for something more, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to another edition of the Teach Amazing Podcast. Today, we're lucky enough to meet the head of school at uh, the International School of Bologna. Uh, Yannicka Anes has just joined the organization, but she provides a really comprehensive insight into working in Italy and also working at the school. Uh, I found the conversation really very interesting, and I hope you will do too. So let's get started. So first up, tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you. Well, my name is Janneke Arnes. I am born uh, very far north in Europe, in Norway. Uh, I have been now in international education and in education, I dare say, actually for three decades. I can celebrate that in 2022. I actually realized when I welcomed our teachers. It's terrifying, isn't it? I, I know the feeling. <laughs> my God, my goodness, three decades. Lots of my colleagues weren't even born. So, um, <laughs> but the, the amazing thing about that is that you have gained quite a lot of experience and it's wonderful to be able to apply that experience in new settings. And I have been traveling around the world as an international educator for quite a long time. And I have recently arrived in Bologna, which for me is the first time that I live and work in Italy. So um, that's kind of where that's a tiny, tiny bit about myself and where I am right now. Before Wonderful. arriving in Bologna, I had spent the last five years in Dubai. So you can imagine Norway, Dubai, Bologna, quite a, quite, um, quite a different, you know, quite a journey of differences, which is really rewarding. And uh, one of the, I think one of the reasons why many of us have chosen to be in international education. Fantastic. Uh, give us a quick introduction about, about the school. So International School of Bologna was founded 18 years ago. It is, um, as it, well, it's the first uh, and really the only international school in Bologna. It is a three-program IB school, PYP, NYP, DP. And uh, it's a small school, relatively speaking. We have 260-ish students. We are one-form entry, so we start with pre-K to graduation. And uh, in our 18 years, uh, of course, we have also seen a, a interesting shift in the, in the demographics in the school, because originally 18 years ago, this was a pioneering initiative by a local family with really a global mindset, wanting to bring something very different to the landscape of Bologna, wanting to give families an opportunity to think differently about education and, and therefore really wanted to to bring an international school to uh, the city of Bologna. Wonderful. At that time, there were only uh, Italian families in our school. So we started off as an international school, um, started with the, uh, the PYP authorization process, but had a majority of Italian families. Now, over these 18 years, we have completely shifted into becoming uh, also a international school in, in kind of in every sense of the word. We have a very diverse student population. We have families that are local. We have families that are Italian mixed with another nationality, Italians who have lived abroad and come back. And we have a lot of expat families who have Wonderful. moved to Bologna for various reasons. And uh, this um, is reflected in our students and it's reflected in our staff. So truly an international school in all fantastic. senses. Fantastic. And we'll drill into that uh, later. Let's learn more about this Teach Amazing School. So describe the physical location of the school um, and the facilities. Neil, that's, a, that, that's actually a beautiful thing to be able to do, but it's also quite challenging because you can imagine we are in a medieval city. So Bologna is an old city. We are located in the city centre within wow what would have been kind of the walls of Bologna. The, the walls do not exist anymore, but our school is within the kind of the old wall structure. So in the old town, houses are 
really, really old. So our school building is several hundred years old. That is amazing. But you can imagine in 2022, that also causes some, you know, some challenges for us. Logistics-wise, uh, logistics it's a quirky building. It's a really charming building. It has stairs and corridors and, uh, and nooks and, uh, and kind of, I was going to say nooks and alleys, uh, literally speaking. I think it actually does have that. And um, it's, it gives charm. Um, it's a little bit small. Uh, sure. we, are, we are outgrowing our own premises. So uh, we have had over the last few years, we've had to look for um, campus, kind of satellite campus locations that are also in other non-typical school buildings in our neighborhood. Because you look around here and you find, uh, you find cafes and restaurants and you find old, several hundred year old buildings. So we have our DP campus now housed in an old uh, prestigious apartment. Ten room, right. a ten room bedroom apartment that somebody very wealthy once upon a time had to build for family purposes, which has now been converted into a school campus. So it's a very interesting school building. If I what about some one thing about it, Nick? I just want to put in there. We have, a, I think we have, we must have the world's most beautiful school theater. We have a school okay. theater which is about seven hundred years old, and oh, it's it is incredible. You think you go into an old opera building or something like that, and you cannot imagine it's a school that has such a theater. So there are some benefits of being in a very old, uh, in a very old place. Uh, certainly. And what about play facilities uh, for the children uh, and playgrounds? Uh, so, how, are you, how are you equipped there? Yes, yeah, so thankfully, we have actually a good infrastructure for our students to, uh, to spend time outside on break time, uh, long lunch break. We, the, the way the buildings are built, when you walk the streets of Bologna, you will think that it's only, you know, you only see brick and, and, and buildings. But, and you wonder, where's the outdoor space? But then if you, if you were above, you would see that there's this massive space in between, between each building. So we're right. part of a kind of a square block construction. So we have a big garden on the inside. And it's beautiful with very large old trees. And we have that in two on two areas. So we have one for our secondary students and one for our elementary students. Uh, so they have ample space to be outside. I think the one Wonderful. the one part of our facilities which are not ideal at the moment, and I'm sure we can come back to that in our conversation today. We desperately need uh, sports facilities. We sure. have a small gym, but it doesn't meet the requirements of our uh, older students. So we rent, of course, an external gym. Uh, but look, ideally, one of our aspirations would be to have our own sports facilities that are better than what we have today. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And um, the school's mission, uh, uh, what is the mission of the school? So what we want to strive for is for our students to really develop uh, into a human being who is both knowledgeable and skilled and equipped with the resources necessary to feel that individually they have an opportunity to make an impact in the world. We, Wonderful. as an IB school, our mission is very aligned with the IB mission statement. But we have worked a lot on our mission as well. And we really want our students to be truly global citizens, to be tolerant individuals who appreciate the, the diversity in, uh, in our local community, in their local community and in the wider society. And, um, and that they feel that being here in our school, they are really being uh, challenged to, uh, to understand that as individuals, we matter. Every single, every single child has a voice and every single voice can make an impact for a better future. That's a wonderful thing about smaller schools, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it absolutely. Really is. um, and you mentioned that it was set up by a, um, a family uh, yeah. originally. How is it governed today, the school? So we have a, uh, we have a, a board, a relatively small board, five board members. Uh, the owner is naturally also the uh, on the uh, on serving on the board, uh, and uh, the uh, the board members are um, in, they are nominated. 
Right. And is it a for-profit organization or is it's it a, a yes. not-for-profit? Yeah, it's a, it's a for-profit organization. It's a small, I mean, as, as a small school, our, uh, our profit is also relatively modest. Um, the board has a, a philanthropic, um, philanthropic uh, vision for, right. for the school. So this is, this is a passion project uh, initially from our founder, Mrs. Martelli, who, uh, who really is not an educator, um, mm. uh, but who really wanted to bring this to Bologna and therefore also uh, has been, uh, has been interested in investing quite a lot in getting the school up and running. Now, 18 years, of course, we are, we, we are a self-sustained school. Our finances are solid, uh, but still we are, we're still a small uh, company. So even in a for-profit structure, the, uh, the funds that we manage to, uh, to save, they go into investment, future investments. Say, for example, sports. How do we deal with sports facilities in the future, for example? Indeed, I will be getting to that. Um, yeah. But within that context, what are the strategic objectives of the school? So right now, so we have three, I think we have mainly three uh, development areas or strategic areas that we are working towards. We want, uh, first of all, um, we are currently a school of 260 students, one form entry. This will right. not be enough for the, for the regional market. So, of course, we do want to be able to grow, but we have facilities that do not allow any exponential growth for the school. Okay. So one strategic objective for us is actually to uh, identify a campus uh, or, lo or a location which will allow the school to grow because we do see that both in our own journey uh, for our own students, for the richness of uh, of our school, not to become a huge school, we will never be that. But we we will we we should we should grow a little bit. Uh, it will right. benefit our programs as well. So one objective is the school facilities to ensure that we have high quality facilities that meet the needs of our modern learners. Um, another objective is something that we in, something that we work on. Constantly, and will probably not be unique to our school. But um, we did a couple of years ago. We started a real focused um, workshop approach with our staff uh, right. to identify what does high quality education look like in our context. What do we really mean by that? So right. since we started that, we are in kind of we're in the we're in the start up of that process, which is also a strategic uh, goal for us that we make sure that all our procedures, all our approaches to teaching and learning, all our policies align around, around what we identify as high quality learning. Fantastic. Those, those, um, are, you know, those are two, actually, maybe more so than, than three. Um, but um, and I don't want to kind of maybe jump too much into the future aspirations because it's dangerous to share sure. them. We try try to be a little bit um, careful not to not to talk about things that we don't think we can deliver soon. Indeed. Of course, we have some aspirational goals that I might share for some other time. Of course, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and and the programs you mentioned that you were a, a three uh, program IB school. Um, how do they manifest themselves in your context? Tell us um, about the programs. Could you could you expand on what you mean by manifesting uh, themselves? Mm, how do we how do you, how do you see them uh, uh, when you if you were to visit? What yeah. would they? What would we? What would you experience as a as a as a as a teacher when you walked around? Uh, uh, how would you feel those programs? Perfect. Well, right now I'm sitting. You can't really see much uh, around, of course, around me here. But I'm sitting in the grade one classroom. Sure. And uh, we have, of course, we, we started school on the 1st of September, so we haven't been in session for very long. But still, you will see that the boards are coming alive with the work of the students. Uh, so if you come in as a teacher, you would be able to step into any of our classrooms uh, and really see what the students are learning on. You'll see the unit of inquiry. You will see the, the student work uh, on the walls. There will be little decoration, but a lot of 
uh, work produced by the students. So you'll see the process. So that's, I think that's one, one area where you will definitely feel that, okay, I'll, I can recognize this is a typical PYP environment, knowing that I'm right. sitting in grade one here. Uh, if you go into a secondary school, obviously those, you know, those typical visible signs might be less obvious because we do not, again, with our space, we do not have the luxury of space. So we do not have necessarily dedicated rooms for each subject. Ideally, we would have wanted that so that you could go into a math classroom in the secondary school and you would have seen kinds of process work from an NYP perspective where you see interdisciplinary work happening. But when you walk the corridors, when you listen to, to the, the vocabulary of our students, hear what they're talking about, you will hear them referencing uh, their, their learning in a way that you would recognize to be kind of through the lens of an IB philosophy. So, uh, and you will see students in collaborative settings. Very few of our classrooms will be traditional classrooms with, uh, with uh, tables and chairs in a row. There'll be right. more um, collaborative uh, constellations. Right around me, I see here, you know, there, there are centers uh, where our students will be sitting, but they will also move around the classroom. And that goes all the way through. I mean, obviously, if, uh, any, any teacher who knows the diploma program also knows that you, um, you, move, you step a little bit away from, from that uh, very hands-on collaborative uh, approach in the diploma. But yet, we, uh, our students, a lot of our students will have been with us for so long. So it just is second nature to them to collaborate. So they'll find, you know, also that in the diploma. Great. Um, what about the staff to student ratio? Uh, uh, what is that across the school? We have a very, we have a high number of staff for a low number of students. Uh, can you imagine 260 students pre-K to grade 12 offering an IB diploma program where we sure. naturally have, uh, have subject choices within each, each group uh, does mean that we have a, uh, if, it, if, if we do the average kind of count, we will have a sure. very low student ratio to, uh, to adult. Um, we, we are we're six point something to, to every okay. student. So we have about 66 or 67 uh, faculty members. Um, and um, we have classes in our, in our diploma program where we have um, two, three students. So, um, right. sure, of course. So that's, that's, it's an, it, it, it just show, it really shows a commitment to the program. And it really shows a commitment by our board to, uh, to invest in, uh, in the three programs and to ensure that there is a continuum of learning for, for those who join, you know, who join us early and that we can provide for them. Um, and then, of course, in the elementary school where we have uh, a, a homeroom, homeroom teacher to a class, our class sizes are still quite, uh, quite small. We can go up to, I would say we can go up to 24 students, but right. we do not really have we, can, we, we could theoretically go up to 24 students, but we cannot because of our, our classrooms. Not every single classroom can take 23 students. So they tend to Understood. be around maybe 17 to 21. And what about extracurricular activities? Uh, what's currently on offer there? So uh, in our contract, we do not uh, we do not have as kind of as an integral part of a teaching contract that you take on an after school activity, which could be the case. I know that to be the case in many schools around the world. However, we do uh, inspire our educators and, and our colleagues, irrespective of, of what position they have in the school, to also contribute to uh, a rich program for our students to, uh, to um, opt into after school. So we offer an after school activities program, which always starts, at, uh, say, three weeks after we have, uh, have opened the academic year. Okay. And we run two terms. So they make a choice for term one, and then they can make a V choice of, of other activities for term two. And um, we, we try to offer a, a wide variety of, uh, of choices. We listen very carefully to our students. 
uh, on what they want. So most of the activities that uh, we offer have come about because some students have expressed a wish for it or some parents, naturally, if their children are very young. So I'll just mention a few of them just to show you kind of the, the, uh, the variety. So we have chess, Mandarin, uh, arts and crafts, drama. We have um, uh, robotics. Uh, multimedia, sorry, we do not have robotics now. We're desperately looking for a robotics uh, instructor. <laughs> we had it, couldn't offer this, this, this term. Um, we do sports uh, in collaboration with a external provider who comes here. And um, we do yoga and uh, art therapy. Yeah, that try to, loads. to show loads of, stuff. Loads, of, loads of things. Loads of things Wonderful. that they can be enough. So, there will always be like, oh, we wish we had more. Some parents wish we had more. Um, but you know, when you tailor to 260 students, it's quite, you know, it's quite, quite challenging also like, to offer so much. But we, want, we really want it to be a broad uh, offering. Understood. And I know you're new, but what are the three things that you've really noticed about the things you really like about the school? The first thing that struck me, and actually this is uh, this struck me the, the moment I came here for my interview, is really the the incredible atmosphere at the school. It right. is a it's a very warm, very open minded, very positive atmosphere. Um, it it was one of those things that stood out to me as a candidate myself, and having recently you know been through a recruitment process was one of the many things that inspired me personally. And I thought, as somebody coming from outside, I can immediately feel that people are welcoming and they're interested right. in you and they are, uh, you know, in a way, cheering on you. So, so I thought, okay, this must be a great place to come. And of course, then coming turned out to be exactly that, an absolutely great place to come. So really friendly very uh, very open-minded, very tolerant. And that goes from the parent community, the student community, the staff community. So everyone is sharing in that sense of community. Now, I was super lucky to come because I came now in, well, I came in July, but say I came for the start of this academic year. Uh, so we know globally how challenging the pandemic has, has been everywhere and we also know from you know from knowing about italy how incredibly challenging it was here so i feel really fortunate because i came into a community that also is now freed from all this the uh, all the uh, the restraints so so of course the the the, uh, the that community feeling is just incredibly vibrant now because parents are just they were overjoyed to be reunited students were overjoyed that their parents could come into the school again so sure. so it's it, it's very it's a very open environment parents do come in uh, there is no kind of there's no standoff um at the door sure. but um but rather that sense of uh of uh community belonging Right. And you mentioned facilities as a main area of, uh, uh, of focus for improvement. Is there anything else that sort of come across uh, in, in the last couple of months? I think if, if facilities actually the major, major part. Uh, sure. And it's, it's, uh, it's the one thing that we, we, that we come back to constantly because um, there being in an old building has some challenges. So when, when something happens here and something did happen recently in the buildings, we had to close some of our classrooms because of a, a construction uh, challenge. So we're now waiting for, you know, waiting for the municipality to sort that out. But because the building is a historic building, the, that takes time. So those Good. are, those are things we need to, to kind of be, we need to be able to be flexible and uh, and find solutions. So I think that's just because of our logistics, we become very good at problem solving. We really live what we want to model for our students, what we want them to learn. We actually have to live it. You have to be sure. quite, you know, tough-skinned. Well, not tough-skinned uh, because it's challenging, but you, you just coming, if you come here to work here, you need to be prepared for things not being super smooth, not being easy, kind of, well, what 
what should I say, smooth sailing. Because yes, if um, if something happens in an old building, it is not you cannot call somebody and they'll be there in two days because there are lots of bureaucracy and their timelines can be really long. So um, that's that's something that teachers need to know, and or anyone who wants to come here and work here needs to know that with flexibility uh, or kind of. Um, we need we need people to be flexible, open-minded, tolerant, uh, and it, the, there are many reasons for it. Also, the the patience part. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> Find out about the teachers and the team. So, tell us about your faculty. Our faculty is uh, a really diverse group of, uh, of professionals. We have a number of teachers from all over the world, and we have staff members from all over the world. Now, I want to add something here, because this is very important in this current landscape. Uh, right. For anyone who's looking to work in Italy, there we have uh, had visa issues over the last uh, couple of years, started with the pandemic, and that's still very much the case for us. So as much as okay. we have now a very global uh, community working in, working in our school, it's not the easiest place to come to at the moment unless you have a European passport okay. or unless you already have a, per, a permit to work in Italy. Okay. So, uh, so th those are really important elements to know. We absolutely want our faculty to represent the, you know, the, the global perspectives that we want our students to be exposed to. And, and our students come from, from all over the world. So if we can have a faculty that can represent this kind of same uh, diversity, it would be amazing. And I'm glad we, I'm, I'm happy to say that we do. So people, irrespective of what country, con continent they may come from, they'll find someone here in our community who might, may not be from their country, but they'll be from their continent. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do want people to be aware of the, um, the visa challenges, which make it a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit limiting for us to, to sometimes uh, be open to, uh, to any candidate at the moment. That's really important. What about your leadership uh, team? So our leadership team is also uh, diverse. We have, uh, right now, we have a um, female, all-female leadership uh, team. Uh, right. Our school is divided into two main sections. But our secondary section is divided also into two principles. Uh, but they're not. It's not. It's not a clear-cut middle and uh, or middle and high school. And, right. and not, neither is it MYPDP. So it's uh, we have a principal from six to nine and principal from ten to twelve. So we have three principals. One in early years elementary. She is uh, British. Uh, who's lived in uh, in uh, Bologna for a uh, couple of decades. <laughs> we have a New Zealander. We have a, uh, I would say, a multicultural, uh, originally uh, Persian, Canadian-American, uh, multi-passport holder. And right. we have a Norwegian, being myself. Wonderful. Right so the teachers, uh, they, um, they represent uh, a similar mix. Is that right? Uh, yes. The current teachers there. Yeah, yeah okay. they do. And how long do they stay generally? Great question. Really great question. So, uh, and it's, a, it's almost a question difficult to answer because uh, we, have, we have a very stable um, we have a very stable group of, uh, of colleagues. We've actually right. colleagues who've been here since the school was founded. So some stay for, you know, for a very, very long time. Some really would probably not want to go anywhere because they, they have established with their family in Bologna. And then right. we have others who have been here for a year, who, uh, who have been here for three years. We've, uh, we have some who are more, uh, I'd say, maybe almost globetrotters in the international school uh, environment and right. who find an opportunity to work in Italy for a while, but then move on. So we do have a combination, but it's, it's 
wonderful actually that we have that combination because we have some who really bring the institutional you know the institutional knowledge the institutional history Completely. the legacy of our our foundation as much as we are really keen on welcoming new people into our community so i think it's a very rich and very real kind of a real workplace where you have everything understood and what do the teachers love most about your school First, I would say they love the community feeling. Um, if you're an IB educator, you will really love coming to the school because it is so profoundly uh, true to the IB ethos. We do not follow a national curriculum. We have the no. ability, you know, really to craft from the from the core and uh, and create our curriculum in in a true sense, uh, belonging to the the philosophy of uh, of the IB. So uh, I think that that's another appreciation from a, for a professional educator, and um, the 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 welcoming. Uh, well, I said that the welcoming community. I think I have to be quite honest. I think a lot of people really also love the fact that they can live in Italy. It's a beautiful country. Of course, it's a beautiful city. So if you yeah. have a chance, not too bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we take all the uh, all the credit for people <laughs> being here. <laughs> so I think they they love also the work life balance that you can find in a place like Italy because the 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 society that we are part of. You know, we create our own community in the school in the school, but we are we are an integral part of our Bologna community and again yes. our Italian community. So you definitely immediately see that and, and feel that when you come that here you you are um you're you're at work but you're also living in a place where it's really easy to find reasons to like your life i believe that and, and what do they say they don't like is it sort of back to the facilities again i guess the challenges of of working in old buildings perhaps Yes, I would definitely, to be very honest, the summertime can be quite uh, troublesome because, say, for example, this summer, um, when we started in August, incredibly warm, beautiful when you can, you know, when you can leave the city on the weekend and go to uh, to the kind of Italian Riviera, but sure. not so nice when you're in an old building where the AC is um, more or less absent. So, so yeah, it can be very hot and unpleasant in the classroom. That that's a real challenge. Sure. Um, but I think overall, those are, I'm sorry, you, but you understand it. You know that you can't, and we're not allowed to because it's a protected building. We can't install modern air condition. So right. we have some of those uh, some of those facility issues. Um, we're a very well resourced school, so no teacher would complain about that. Technology is also extremely well uh, well uh, established in the school. We have fantastic infrastructure. We're the only, we're the first Google certified school uh, in uh, in Italy. So yeah. we have lot we have a lot of what teachers would expect to find. So that's not the challenge. I think for an international educator, and this I have to be very honest. Also, you know when you you choose places for different reasons. Coming to Italy, you're you're coming. You're choosing to come to a country where there is no, where there is a taxation system. So of course, it's not like choosing to go to some of the countries in the world where no. the, where a teacher can go for a non-taxable salary and benefits package. So no. of course, when you weigh those things, you will see. Okay, I have this possibility here, where maybe lifestyle. Uh, and culture is all around me and it's absolutely amazing where I have this opportunity here in another culture which is amazing and where the salary and benefits packet cannot really compete with Italy that's a reality it's the way it is <laughs> it's the way it is yeah. <laughs> learn what kind of teacher this school is looking for so what kind of teachers are you looking for to join your team well, Neil, I think what we are looking for are uh, people who are passionate about what they do. Uh, when I talked about this sense of community, it is also because 
we we are surrounded by people who really profoundly uh, believe in in what they're doing, and uh, so we look for passion, we look for dedication, we look for people who are flexible. Um, has to do with what I've said earlier about you know the the facilities here, for example, and the the uh, old infrastructure. There are there are ways of working that will work really well here for somebody who has that open mind who is who is a problem solver rather than somebody who who needs to have everything very organized and sorted because it oh. just doesn't work that way i think that has something to do with italy it has something to do with our facilities uh, but it is also the way we like to work we like people to feel that they can come with ideas that they that we are not stuck in our ways we always want to challenge ourselves. We always want to model really what we want our students to to grow up and, and become. We need to be those individuals ourselves. So we are risk takers, we are communicators, we are collaborators, and we are analytical individuals who are reflecting on our own practices and willing to change. So we can we are looking for those people who see themselves as professionals who feel very strongly and very passionately about what they do, but who are also willing to take feedback, who are also willing to give feedback to others, who can go in and be a peer observer in a classroom and say, I love what you did there. Uh, now, I had never thought of doing it that way, but why can't you come and look at me? Because I also think I'm doing something great, but I need your input. So we all, we want our, we want our educators to really be those kind of, use a cliche almost now with lifelong learners who, who are not stuck and who always want to further develop themselves so that we can enrich our students, so we can enrich ourselves and find that we're not just here for the work, we're really here because it gives us personally something that we can aspire to grow and, and develop towards as well. Yeah, wonderful. And practically, are there any minimum requirements that, that the school has uh, before the, a teacher could join? So we are looking, when we hire a teacher, we are looking for somebody who has a minimum, minimum of a bachelor's degree uh, right. and that it is a relevant education for the subjects that uh, that we're looking uh, for, for to cover. Um, or, for, or, of course, as, as a homeroom teacher, you will have a general teaching, uh, teaching diploma. Uh, in the diploma program in particular, uh, we are also looking specifically for IB educators. It doesn't right. mean that we always hire only people with experience, uh, because we have such a we have such a strong community of professionals among our own colleagues. So we do offer, of course, we offer training uh, when when required. But we also we have the ability to train our own staff. Uh, but as a as an IB school, and I, I mentioned the DP in particular, but it it would go for the MYP, it would go for the the PYP as well. That ideally, we uh, somebody who has uh, a PYP, MYP, or DP background will be a favoured candidate by us. Uh, we also have a uh, student support service, so we, we look for people with specialization in language acquisition, for example, and in, in special education um, background as well, so that we can support the, uh, the, the variety of learners that we have. And do you have any minimum experience uh, requirements at the school? So we have, uh, it, it, no, not as an absolute, okay. um, not. And um, we have successfully hired people because we believe that their, you know, their mindset uh, and their approaches is correct. So they might be fresh out of their education with very little experience and maybe not even a completed contract uh, in right. another school. And this is where they gain their first real experience. I mean, okay. obviously, they will have had teaching experience through their education, but we are willing to hire people with uh, with little experience because we know also that we have the uh, the capabilities to uh, to mentor and train, and because we have a uh, a focus on professional development, and we will of course provide all the IB trainings and and other uh, all the IB trainings that would be required, but also all training that we feel is beneficial for our our um, colleagues 
linked right. to the strategic aims of the school or the, the, the this year's or the, say the next couple of years development plans. Okay. And does the school have a maximum age limit? No, we don't. Fantastic. So I'd say we are very, we are definitely um, a school focused on diversity, uh, equity, justice, and uh, giving opportunity to to all. We're non-discriminatory. So I think, and that that is really that's actually really rewarding. So I think the only the, the main challenge we have now, which is not a a challenge defined by the school, but just the reality in Italy, is that we do not always find ourselves in a position where we would be able to pursue a candidate, even if both parties would have loved to. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Um, and. You know, additional skills, small schools generally want people who have uh, uh, not just one um, sort of set of skills. Is that the case uh, in your organisation? Neil, that's spot on for us because, uh, again, going back to the uh, the fact that we have uh, just over 260 students, but we provide three, three IV programmes. Sure. So we do, uh, we do look for teachers, particularly in the MYP and the DP, who have the ability to teach across different subjects and who are willing to do so as well. And who might one year be teaching more, say, say you teach, um, give an example, you teach um, uh, DP psychology and uh, business management. I mean, maybe not the most obvious combination, but still to, to find people, to find educators out there who who have had the chance to uh, use their skills in different subject areas that's beneficial because the the fact of being small we do need to uh, to have educators who can teach different subjects um, and um, and the, the same in in a, in primary we wouldn't have a grade three teacher who always teaches grade three we'll have teachers who teach across the grade levels uh, so yeah, flexibility. I would say flexibility in in their approaches to age, so that there is that uh, understanding from the teacher perspective that yes, I am comfortable teaching one year grade two, but the next year I might be teaching grade five, uh, and and also the subject flexibility. Learn more about this school's contract. What's the length of the, the standard contract at your school? So on initial employment, we offer a uh, normally a two-year contract. Um, and, um, and then a contract is often moved into what is called an indeterminato, which means it's, it's a, you know, it's a open-ended uh, right. long-term contract. Okay. And, and so... Um, how long is the first period before it becomes um, unlimited? Two years. Two years, okay. Yeah. And then at that point, both parties have to decide whether they wish to uh, continue the relationship. Is that right? Yes, yes, okay. that is correct. Um, is there a probation period? Yes, we do have a probation period in the in the first contract for three, uh, three months probation. Right. And this, you mentioned the visa issues. Is the uh, contract uh, uh, conditional any, on any external authority? You know, in Dubai, uh, there's, a, there's always a, a sort of um, cross-check on people. Um, is that the case in your context? So this is, this is actually the experience we had when the visa issue became an issue because it wasn't in the past. No. So during COVID, when this happened, and I think this is related to the, uh, you know, the, the ability to handle visa applications in Italy, almost the system broke down. So right. um, at that time, so if this had been two years ago, and we would have hired somebody who was in the visa handling process. We would not, we wouldn't have feared it in the past because sure. it would have just been a bureaucratic procedure. But then when this, when this happened, we experienced that visas were not processed and they were not wow. granted. So then of course the contract had to be canceled, which is a situation we do not want to put no, anyone, we do not want any new hire to have that experience ever again, nor do we want to experience it for the sake of, you know, our students, our community, sure. our colleagues. So we are now very careful to make sure that all the formal documents 
from the authorities are in place before we can offer a contract. And that's why we have had to go out with the message that we, we unfortunately cannot consider candidates who either are not, if they're not European passport holders or if they do not already have a work permit in Italy. Now, the reality is that there are lots of, lots of international people with work permits in Italy. So we continue to, to hire a, a, a diversity, but we're no longer in that position where we can be the first, uh, say, overseas employment for somebody coming from just, say, for example, from the US. So, or the UK, indeed. Or the UK, which... <laughs> indeed. Um, shocking, you know? the, the challenges of Brexit. Um, yes. what, what are the working hours at the school? So we have our, our faculty working hours are from 8.15 to 3.45. And we have one faculty meeting per week uh, where we work 8.15 to 5 o'clock. Uh, our students uh, start, um, or our classes start at 8.50 in the morning and they run until uh, 3.30. So um, it's a quite nice, it's actually quite nice. Um, I came from, came from another part of the world and we started at 7.15. So it's quite, feels quite uh, relaxed to be able to start at 8.15. So, uh, but the working hours are more or less the same in total. Okay, and contact hours. Um, how many so, how many hours do the teachers teach per week? Generally, and this is relatively even balanced, uh, okay. irrespective of what uh, what division in in school we are we're talking about. Contact hours they tend to be around uh, twenty one to twenty two, um, and uh, in our elementary school we have a number of uh, of uh, specialist hours. So we have. You know, a homeroom teacher teaches a lot, but then there are also specialists teaching uh, physical education, Italian, uh, both mother tongue and and, uh, and uh, language acquisition and art. So, um, so it's roughly a balance there as well. A little bit higher contact time for uh, for elementary teachers. Twenty two tends to be the average in the middle and uh, or in secondary school. Twenty one, okay. twenty two. And in the in the case of uh, or in the unlikely case of termination, I guess you're covered by the rules, the EU law and and Italian law in that regard. Yeah, and okay. and it, in Italy is a good. I mean, in that sense, Italy is a really you know a, a good place to work because um, it is uh, it is a country where labour law is very well established and very protective of uh, of employees. So um, so it's. Um, it's in that sense compared to you know the, the, if we take on a global lens, we we know that there are there are countries where the uh, it might be very appealing to to work, but then the, the the challenge is often in then the contractual agreements that your protection as an employee is much lesser. So the uh, the the, uh, the possibility of quick termination uh, is there. That's not the case here. It's a very well regulated with a solid labour law. And we, as a company, uh, of course, we, we are a registered entity in Italy. We follow all the rules and regulations of the land. Explore the package that this school offers. So now we get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, uh, tell us about your package. So, Neil, I'd say when you choose to come to Italy, you're definitely not choosing to come to a place because of the salary. We are, I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in the European context. Uh, we probably wouldn't be very different from any European countries where generally salaries are taxable and where our, um, where our benefits and our salary and benefits package is more aligned to the Italian salary and benefits structure in general. So this is a place where you would come for a variety of reasons, but where the salary is not the main driver. We do offer, of course, for anyone who's coming from overseas, we offer an onboarding flight. We offer a small um, settling in allowance just right. so that we can help somebody get the, the minimum you know the minimum uh, things that you might need if you rent an apartment we right. do not offer a housing allowance we help overseas hires or somebody who's relocating it doesn't have to be i mean i, I use overseas but it, 
cross-border hire because you're not necessarily overseas but cross-border hires we um we of course we we help uh, our colleagues uh, find a place to live we put them up in a hotel for 10 days or in an airbnb for 10 days which tends to be enough uh, to find your own place so in our uh, in our package we have small benefits only so generally, once, we're, once you're through the hiring process, really what we're talking about is a monthly salary. Um, salary in Italy is a 13, there are 13 months, and then there's a 14th month, which goes towards a pension fund. So that is something that everybody accrues. Uh, everybody accrues, sorry. And then we have um, one thing that I really appreciate personally, uh, food in Italy plays, you know, a really, you know, it's a really important part of the culture. So uh, we provide a really good, solid hot lunch offering to all our students, which we offer that to all our colleagues as well. So everybody has that as a benefit. You do not have to think about uh, about what you eat while you're at work. You'll get a really good meal uh, in school, and we have ample time for lunch. So the appreciation for the you know the Italian appreciation for food as, uh, as a as a significant component of the culture is definitely something that you you feel whilst working mm-hmm. at uh, the Bologna as well. Uh, what about I mean, uh, what is the tax rate in in Italy uh, approximately? I know it varies from from age to age and personal situation, yeah. but roughly. It's uh, Neil. I, I think. Uh, if my HR colleague uh, was here, she would say we can't answer that because it's really dependent on so many variables. Uh, it depends on whether you're married, depends what, what where you come from. Um, on the taxation, on the taxation issue, there are several countries that have signed mutual agreements with Italy that do provide a tax exemption for a period of time. It could be a year, two years, or three years depending on the country, but it's not it, it, it's not because one country has it that the other one, the neighboring country Understood. has it. That's a little challenging. Um, I'd say taxation in Italy is probably among the higher on a scale in Europe. Um, right. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm sorry that that is not a really good answer, but there's so many variables no i understand completely it's uh, the way it is um but let's talk about something that we can probably quantify and that's the sort of savings potential and uh, again i acknowledge that uh people who come to italy uh it's never been the case that that you're there to uh, make the big bucks um um, but as a single teacher is it possible to to have a good lifestyle and save something I would definitely say that it is very possible to have a good lifestyle, lifestyle, uh, and a great lifestyle actually living here. Um, whether you save a lot um, is maybe very personal in this case. Also, because if you think about where you are, Bologna is really it, Bologna is a is a very kind of central hub in Europe. So what? I see that a lot of our colleagues do, maybe rather than thinking about their savings, is to say that this is the period in my life, in my career, where I can, you know, I can, I can save, but I can also spend my savings um, on a kind of on a higher frequency because there are so many places to explore and they're so sure. close. So I do recognize that a lot of our a lot of our colleagues will definitely save, but they will save to spend. And but they save to spend on something that really enriches their experience of living in Italy. And right. and whether you explore, you know, Italy, but you explore Croatia, you you explore France, you you explore uh, Switzerland, you know, you you really expand your horizon, and you feel like you're in the center of the the world in a way. So. There is there is that element. Um, even if salaries are not the highest, it doesn't mean that you cannot save. You have a lifestyle in Bologna which will allow you to put aside some, um, and but not a lot. It, it, obviously, it's. Um, and do the do the teachers get uh, subsidised education at the school? Yes, they do. 
Yes, right. they do. Um, and how does that work? How does that function? So we offer uh, a free placement for uh, for uh, children uh, of our staff members uh, in the school. And, right, okay. uh, and then we have substitutes. So for one child, we have a free placement and then we have a, a kind of a, a scaled um a scaled subsidy for multiple children. Okay. And is that a taxable benefit? I guess it is in Europe. It will be a taxable benefit, yes. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Um, what about professional growth opportunities uh, at your school? You mentioned earlier um, that you're very interested in, uh, in growing together. Um, is that a, a, an important part of what teachers um, can gain and benefit? Yes, I would absolutely say so, Neil. We do provide, uh, obviously, a, a professional development uh, portion in our budget, which is set aside for the entire uh, faculty and staff. Uh, right. We align that with our uh, school development goals. We align it, of course, with any changes to a, uh, an IB program that might, be, uh, might require retraining. But we also give our staff an opportunity to apply for funds that are very personal and that are not necessarily linked specifically to our school development, but it could be linked to wanting to pursue a master's degree, for example. Uh, justifying that with, if you know, I, I will apply for these funds, which will help me, but by, by, through my research or through my master's degree, I would like to bring back to the school such and such. So, right. so there is really that opportunity for a, uh, a personal approach to professional development and that collective approach to, to uh, how we as a school see that we constantly need to, um, to retrain ourselves. When we also opted to become a Google certified school, for example, we, we did a massive training for everyone. It's hugely beneficial for, for anyone working here, but it's also a skill that you will take away with you and, and it will benefit you in the future somewhere else as well. So I think we, we have a good balance of giving, uh, giving both collectively and uh, individu individually um, professional development to all our colleagues. Learn more about the recruiting schedule and onboarding process. So when does the school normally start searching for new teachers uh, for the next academic year? So what we do is in December, we ask all our uh, faculty uh, about their intention to return. Uh, and we do this irrespective of what kind of contract they are on, of course. So that's right. uh, that's for everyone. Our system is, is trust. I mean, it's a trust-based system uh, in the sense that there is no legal obligation from a labor law perspective to give that uh, that information to your employer. However, right. we know that as a school community, we want to support anyone who would want to seek opportunities elsewhere, and we want uh, everyone to understand that you know we. If we want to uh, to hire somebody new, or if we need to hire somebody new, we we have to be able to also start that process when international educators are in the market looking for new opportunities. Sure. So ideally, we start this process around December, and we start our interviews for uh, for positions in say in January. Um, that that's that's the ideal, and then of course we also know that um, in any in any employment situation, uh, recruitment is an ongoing thing. There will be situations for us that we were not aware of come April, May, June, you never know. But, uh, but generally, we ask for an intention in December and we start our process in, uh, in as early as possible in January. And we might, okay. put, we might put out our advertisements um, earlier if we know, because obviously we have colleagues who who know that they will be moving on or, sure. um, or, yeah, well, I guess that's the only thing. We know that they will be moving on. They would have told us and, uh, and as soon as that is uh, agreed, they, uh, we will be advertising as well. All right. And, you know, sign the contract. When do teachers normally arrive? Uh, uh, beginning of August, I guess? Uh, Mid-August. Mid-August. So um, we start mid-August with uh, a new staff orientation, uh, which normally lasts a little less than a week. 
And then uh, around the, say, roughly 2023rd in that range, we would have the return of all our uh, faculty and we would have a nine, often a nine-day uh, nine period of planning before we have our new student orientation and then move straight into the first day of school. First day of school is on September 1st, unless it falls okay. obviously on the weekend. Sure. And, and the orientation process for new teachers, what kind of things do you do? So in the orientation process, we, um, we have uh, our, um, our leadership team and some of our key middle leaders, they, are, they have returned to work. So, uh, and of course, our admin colleagues. So we spend the first couple of days helping our new colleagues settle into the system, settle into both the, the bureaucracy of, uh, of Bologna, settling in from an HR perspective. And then we, uh, we spend a couple of days going through our mission, vision, values. What does high quality learning look like at International School of Bologna? So we kind of give them a, uh, a speed course in, uh, in, in who we are and how we, how we see teaching and learning. Um, we set them off, of course, with their digital uh, digital um, identity as well in the school, so that they have access to all documents. We give them time to to go through the staff handbook, and um, so we have we, we create an orientation program which balances their their personal HR needs with settling into the school, understanding the uh, the structure, the uh, the procedures of the school, and we have some social gatherings uh, as well. So we. We often go out for dinner together. We have uh, something that is very appreciated in the Italian culture is the aperitivo, um, which means that we go out and we share a drink, whether that is a non-alcoholic or alcoholic beverage, doesn't matter. It's the whole idea of going, sitting out in a cafe together and enjoying that time away from work, which is really important in our culture. So we appreciate also exposing our new colleagues to, to that part of our own culture and the local, uh, the local community culture. Find out how to get a job at this Teach Amazing School. So you've convinced me I want to come. I want the aperitivo, I want the school, I want the, the I want it all. How do I get a job with you? Fantastic. Well, I think the easiest would actually be to go to our website because uh, you might be wanting the job and uh, we might not have any vacancies posted on our website. Sure. But we are thankfully small enough to be able to handle all the, the requests that we get. So right. I would advise anyone who, uh, who has listened, anyone who's interested, just look us up online, International School of Bologna or isbologna.com. You'll find all the information there. So you don't have to remember. You don't have to go through any recruitment agency. We we deal with this on a very kind of um, personable level, and right. um, we have a recruitment page on uh, on our website. There will be a particular way, a particular email address there. But otherwise, just info at isbolonia.com is also a uh, a great email to use, and um, and then we uh, we respond. We do pride ourselves uh, on, uh, on acknowledging that we receive interest and uh, we might not have anything right there and then. But for us, it's also really interesting to, to know that people are interested. So whenever there is a need, we, will, we, we would like, I mean, we, we try to build our portfolio of candidates that, uh, that we can revert to also uh, should an opportunity arise in our school. So what other schools would you recommend? Okay, so let's imagine that, unfortunately, I haven't got an EU passport or you don't have a job available. Um, do you have any other schools that you particularly admire or are aligned with the kind of philosophy um, uh, of your school that you would recommend? Yes, I do. And uh, I'm happy to recommend other schools as well. And I, I thought a, I thought a little bit about that. I mean, there are there are many amazing schools around, but but you you kind of nailed what I thought about. So if somebody didn't have the right passport and therefore couldn't come as much as they would have wanted to, and as much as we would have wanted to, I needed to find 
a, a reference to a school that where passport might not be the issue. So I have chosen I've chosen two schools in two very different parts of the world uh, yeah. that I would like to recommend, and they I recommend them because they are schools that are also schools that have this very personal uh, approach to learning, where the student is in the center and where they truly believe in nurturing. The, every single individual's ability to grow into a, you know, a well-rounded human being. And one school right. is the Dwight School in New York. It's also a, a three-program IB school, uh, but it, it's also a, a school that has this very, very strong ethos of personalizing learning. Right. And it's a little bit like us, a little bit quirky, a little bit old in an old building, but uh, but a very a very strong a very strong uh, school. So there, and visa issues will not be the same as in Italy. And then I'd like to recommend uh, WAB Western Academy of Beijing. So right. I chose something very different. That's an area a school where if you want to be part of really shaping. Um, what education can look like in the future. That's a school that really strives to break boundaries and always look for new ways of doing things. And they have the resources and the ability to do so. So I think, but still keep, oh, still really honoring the student in the center. And that's important to me. I cannot, oh, I cannot recommend any school that doesn't place the student in the center and really has that personal approach to learning. So those are my two uh, my two recommendations, Neil. And Wonderful. I think anyone who would go to any of the three schools, meaning uh, International School of Bologna being one of the three, of would course. be really happy uh, and find, uh, find a really rewarding place to work. Well, that brings us to the end. Um, I'd like to say thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to meet you and to learn more about the school. Wonderful. It has been a pleasure for me to meet you as well and to be able to talk about our school and to be able to help maybe uh, put some color and, uh, and visualize something for uh, those out there who are looking for a new opportunity. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity I had with you, Neil, and hopefully we will contribute to helping somebody else find their place in the world. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this visit to this Teach Amazing School. Subscribe to the Teach Amazing podcast and join us on our journey exploring amazing schools around the world.